That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. is the Tom Hartman Program. And greetings, my friends, patriots, lovers of democracy, truth and justice, believers in peace, freedom, and the American way. We got a lot going on today. I want to get into the Santa shortage as part of the war on Christmas. Yes, Fox is all upset. Lori Wallach is also going to drop by. We're going to be talking about the trips waivers and global protests around vaccines. That is people wanting vaccines in third world countries. I want to get into this timeline of Donald Trump's becoming typhoid Mary. And, you know, she was an innocent. She didn't realize what she had, apparently, and was just one of those people who gets a disease and doesn't shake it. Trump knew what he had. And anyhow, we'll, we'll get into that. Also, the deadly reason why Fox News' talking heads are calling Fauci Dr. Mengele. But I want to start by sharing a riff with you that are a rant that I published over at HartmanReport.com. You know, I posted it over on um, Facebook and Twitter, and it has already caused people to call me a Nazi. <laughs> so here, this is from, from Brian on Facebook. So Tom Hartman joins the new American Nazi Party, denying citizens their personal freedom. Such hypocrisy. Jess says, Tom, you sound like a psychopath, and the virus isn't going anywhere. And then I, Andrew says, how could you possibly enforce this? Well, what is it that they're raising all these questions about? Well, here's my headline is lock down the unvaccinated so America can get back to normal. Now, let me, ma- let me lay out this argument for you. The German parliament just mandated that everybody working in any kind of healthcare setting, which includes elder care, must be vaccinated to maintain their employment. There are already laws to that effect in Greece, in France, in Italy, and in multiple states in the United States, including here in Oregon. They also will be deciding soon whether to extend a mandatory lockdown to all unvaccinated Germans across the entire nation. This is what the Financial Times uh, wrote yesterday. Quote, using what is known in Germany as the 2G rule, soon only the vaccinated and those who have recovered from COVID will be able to go into shops and cultural institutions. Once the rules are implemented, a household of vaccine holdouts will only be able to meet two people from another household. Now, meanwhile, you know, President Biden just put forward a, a fairly 
uh, anodyne uh, proposal that the Occupational Safety and Health Administration say that, you know, f with large companies, which they can more e easily regulate, uh, that uh, if you have more than 100 employees, everybody has to be vaccinated. That has been put on hold by uh, four different Trump-appointed judges uh, talking about liberty, liberty. Uh, yeah. So why, why would these partisan uh, Republicans and judicial drag make such nakedly idiotic rulings? Well, all you need to do to, f to get their reasoning is step into the Wayback Machine and go back to 2020, you know, last year. Uh, this is from the Boston Herald, an editorial by Grace Curley. She says, the Democrats in D.C. are cheering for the coronavirus. Keep in mind, this is when Trump was president. The Democrats in D.C. are cheering for the coronavirus. Sad to say, but it's the truth. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi and her ilk want the president to fail at all costs. The coronavirus's strongest allure, as far as Democrats are concerned, is the effect it's having on the stock market. Right. Donald Trump Jr. on Fox News, he said, uh, you know, that uh, Democrats are hoping the coronavirus, quote, comes here and kills millions of people so they can end Donald Trump's streak of winning. Right. Freedom Wire, Ryan James. Here's my theory in a nutshell. The Democrats want to increase testing because, now keep in mind, this is back in April of 2020, because they know that more tests will increase the number of confirmed cases, thus ensuring the economy doesn't reopen for an even longer stretch of time. You might be asking why they would want this. Well, because it will hurt President Trump's reelection chances. Rush Limbaugh, a year and a half ago, or almost two years ago, said it looks like the coronavirus is being weaponized as yet another element to bring down Donald Trump. The media thinks this is the new Russia. This is going to get Trump. They're gleeful. They're happy. This is going to destroy the economy magically by November. And then Eric Trump weighs in and says they're doing it for one reason. They want to hurt Trump. After November 3rd, coronavirus will magically all of a sudden go away and disappear and everybody will be able to reopen. You get the idea, right? The, the, throughout the Trump presidency, all these right-wing commentators, you could literally find thousands of these kinds of, kinds of commentary on the Internet. All these right-wing commentators were saying, oh, the Democrats are talking about the virus because they want Trump to fail in November of 2020. Well, the virus did take down Trump because it took down the economy. And when economies go down, people vote for the other party. It's, I mean, it's been going that way since the election of 1800. And now that the Democrats are in power, Republicans are trying to reverse that. But look at what they're doing. I mean, you've got this army of hustlers and grifters who are out there selling stuff like ivermectin. You've got social media trolls from other countries telling us, hey, look out, that vaccine is dangerous stuff. You know, and... and but the Supreme Court ruled on this in 1905. The case was Jacobson v. Massachusetts. And, and the, the court goes through this thing where, you know, the defendant says that his liberty is invaded. Uh, and when the state subjects him to fine or imprisonment for neglecting or refusing to submit to vaccination. And, you know, they go through all of his arguments that it's an assault upon its person, that it's unreasonable, that it's arbitrary, that it's oppressive that it's hostile to the inherent right of every free man to care for his own body and health. The, the court summarizes the arguments of Mr. Jacobson. And then the U.S. Supreme Court says, and I quote, but the liberty secured by the Constitution of the United States to every person within its jurisdiction does not import an absolute right in each person to be, at all times and in all circumstances, wholly free from restraint. 
There are manifold restraints to which every person is necessarily subject for the common good. On any other basis, organized society could not exist with safety to its members. And then they go on to say, the, upon the principle of self-defense of paramount necessity, a community has the right to protect itself against an epidemic of disease which threatens the safety of its members. And in 1905, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled that Massachusetts could mandate vaccinations. In this case, it was for, for smallpox. But basically what they said was that the mask holes right to spread a disease is not more important in America than the right of the rest of us to be free of that disease. Which is why when our governor here, Kate Brown, showed some steel in her spine, you know, the Republicans were like, oh my God, she's a tyrant, because we have 40,000 state employees in this state. And she said, you all 40,000 of you have to be vaccinated or you're going to be fired. And the Republicans and the legislature and right-wing talk show hosts and everybody, they were all hissed. Oh, my God, you're gonna, how are you going to run a government if you've got 10,000 people who are refusing to come to work? Who, you're going to fire it because they won't get, well, what are you going to, it's going to be a disaster. The state's going to melt down. Oh. Well, one of our local newspapers, uh, it's called The Scanner, uh, S-K-A-N-N-E-R. You can Google them. Uh, they have the perfect headline. This was just yesterday in yesterday's paper. Dozens of Oregon workers fired for not getting COVID shot. That's right, dozens out of 40,000. But nonetheless, to paraphrase Mitch McConnell, they persist, right? In New Jersey, Republicans are defying the state police to walk onto, into, the, into the chamber, uh, the legislative chamber without a mask or proof of vaccination. In Florida, Ron DeSantis changed the state's unemployment laws so that if you're fired for not being vaccinated, you instantly qualify for unemployment benefits. Kansas, Iowa, and Tennessee have done the same. Oklahoma's uh, governor, uh, Kevin Stitt, wants to, uh, wants the, is trying to defy the Pentagon with regard to his National Guard troops being vaccinated. It's not working very well. Chicago's police union urged officers to take their lives and their families' lives in their hands by refusing to get the jab. That hasn't worked out so well. The New York City Firefighters Union head tried the same trick. It didn't work. In Northern California, you got school districts defying Governor Newsom's order. And, and, and here, this is the really bizarre one. The Republican governor of Missouri commissioned a study to find out if masks work to stop COVID. And the study found that not only do they work, they work really effectively to stop transmission of COVID. And when those results came back, he buried the study. There is no evidence whatsoever that last year Democrats were trying to make the, the virus worse in order to hurt Trump. No evidence. They never called the virus a hoax. Democrats never refused to wear masks. Democrats were not arguing against the science. They were not spreading bizarre conspiracy theories. And they were not promoting phony cures like ivermectin and, and injecting bleach. They never tried to discourage people from getting vaccinated when the vaccines first became available at the end of the Trump administration. This was in December when the vaccines first became available. That said, the Republicans are doing all these things. I mean, they're, you know, they're, they're promoting bizarre conspiracy theories. They're, they're pushing phony cures. They're calling the virus, uh, you know, it's not a big deal. They're refusing to wear masks. Now, around the world, other countries are just saying, okay, enough already. If you're on Social Security in Greece, which kicks in at the age of 60, by the way, you lose a quarter of your monthly payments if you're not vaccinated. 
In Israel, they're debating using cell phone tracking to identify COVID scoff laws. Police in the Netherlands are taking on protesters in the streets, despite the overwhelming acceptance of the rules. Britain has instituted a national mask mandate, and they're enforcing it. Slovakia is trying to carrot, right? They're offering 600 bucks if you get vaccinated. South Africa has instituted both a curfew and a ban on alcohol sales. And Chile has passed a ban on unvaccinated people going out in public to restaurants, hotels, and public gatherings, and they are enforcing it. Why can't we learn from these people? Those of us who did the right thing, got vaccinated and boosted, wore masks, socially distanced, or worked from home, deserve a break. Seriously, let the mask holes and the Trumpies argue it out on social media and in their chat rooms, but keep them the hell out of our stores, out of our bars, out of our restaurants, and out of our theaters. Enough is enough. It is time to lock down the unvaccinated so the rest of America can get back to something that resembles normal. So then the question becomes, well, how do you enforce it? I'd say with, you know, with a universal, with a universal COVID passport. The CDC has already created this. It's on their website. You can pull it up on your phone. All they'd have to do is turn, turn on an app that has it. Or you could use Clear, which is a commercial product, but it links in with your state's Department of Health and it has your vaccine stats. We need vaccine passports in the United States and we need them now. Are you as sick as I am of these right-wingers using COVID as a political weapon? So, picking up your phone calls, Jerry in San Francisco. Hey, Jerry, what's on your mind? Hey, Tom. Uh, your newsletters are so good, but I think Thursday's was hair-raising. It was... Uh, <laughs> if, abortion. If any, right. If anybody reads... And, and our rights being rolled back. If, if anybody who reads that is still sleepwalking, then an invasion from Mars wouldn't wake them up. Yeah. That's for sure. Thank you. But I, what I wanted to talk about was... Um, the lawsuits by election workers in, in Georgia, I don't know if you're aware that um, the election workers have been harassed uh, for almost a year now. Yeah, and there's two and of I'm, them that, that actually sued yesterday. Yeah, That's right, yeah. And uh, I have some friends who have been working uh, with Stacey Abrams down in Atlanta, and uh, they've been asking for help from the DNC, from... Uh, for not just this, but a lot of a lot of things that are going down, the laws that are being passed in Georgia and so forth. And I think the same is true in um, Mariposa County, too. And they just aren't getting it. I mean, you know, Jamie um, Harrison Harrison uh, said uh, a couple of days ago that he's going to Iowa because he thinks he can. Uh, the Democrats have a shot at turning red Iowa blue. And it's 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 absurd. I mean. We already know where we need to go. And, I, you know, my little megaphone, I keep on saying, we need to go to Atlanta. We need to go to Mariposa County and Phoenix, uh, Milwaukee, Detroit, Wayne County, Philadelphia. And I imagine we can add uh, northern uh, Virginia, northeastern uh, Virginia to that, uh, too. Yeah. But the people who are working, and I know some people in Detroit and some people in Atlanta, they don't have the lawyers. They don't have the money to to do what they're doing, and they, they've just given up on uh, on the Democratic Party of, of uh, being able to support them in some way. 
I know the and Democratic Party oh. is doing an awful lot in this area, Jerry, and and there's a there are also law firms that are working on these things. You know, the sad reality is the the Republican Party and uh, and the billionaires that bankroll it yeah. have yeah. have put together a 50-state strategy. They've got a, 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 a what they call a oh I'm forgetting the name state policy networks. They've, they've mm -hmm. got you know these think tanks in every single one of the 50 states. Yeah, I'm, I'm aware of that. You've got Alec, you know, pushing these laws out there. Um, all this other stuff, and and there's nothing. There's literally no such infrastructure on the on the on the Democratic side, because there yeah, are. That's what they're trying to build, but it, yeah. they can't. Well, you know? not 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 right now, and therefore we need to get out there and get active. Jerry, thank you for the call. We'll be right back. Fact of the matter is, when you're the party that wants to cut taxes on billionaires, billionaires tend to pour a lot of money into your party, and that's what's going on. Sometimes Louise and I just crave a restaurant-quality dinner at home without doing all the work or driving. Well, Cook Unity is the first chef-to-you service delivering locally sourced meals from award-winning chefs right to your door every week. And it appears to be less expensive than other delivery options. Go to cookunity.com slash Hartman with two N's or enter the code Hartman with two N's before checking out for 50% off your first week. We just received our first meals from Cook Unity. And what a huge difference it is to get the best chefs in the country to bring creative, delicious meals to us and you every week. Every meal is handcrafted by chefs and made in local micro kitchens, not large production facilities. We just had the chipotle maple glazed salmon with green beans and mango pico de gallo. It had everything we love in a meal. They have all sorts of options like vegan, paleo, pescatarian, gluten-free, and more. Menus are posted two weeks in advance so you have plenty of time to choose. Experience chef-quality meals every week delivered right to your door. Go to cookunity.com slash Hartman with two N's or enter the code Hartman with two N's before checking out for 50% off your first week. That's 50% off your first week by using the code Hartman or going to cookunity.com slash Hartman. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. The Trump death toll, by the way, from TrumpDeathToll.org is 803,186 dead Americans. Should give us all pause. And speaking of the Trump death toll, my rant over at HartmanReport.com is titled, The Deadly Reason Fox News is Talking Heads Are Calling Fauci Dr. Mengele. And yeah, they're doing that. Laura Logan, the former actual reporter, is now a, uh, a troll over at Fox News. And, you know, the, in fact, uh, Robert Greenwald made a movie about this, jeez, uh, oh, it must have been six years or seven years ago, where throughout the movie it was all the times that Fox talking heads say, people are saying, people are telling me, 
And they use that as a way of then following and say, people are saying that, you know, we need more guns in our society. People are saying that they're really upset with Barack Obama, you know, that kind of stuff, right? So this is what, uh, this is what uh, Laura, Laura uh, uh, Logan had to say. She said, this is what people are saying to me, that he doesn't, and she's talking about Dr. Fauci, that he doesn't represent science to them. He represents Joseph Mengele, the Nazi doctor who did co- experiments on Jews in the Second World War and in the concentration camps. And I'm talking about people all across the world are saying this. Right. Multiple studies now. We've got 800,000, 801, or 800, whatever the number was I just gave you, 802,000 dead Americans. And multiple studies suggesting that as many as a third of the 50 million Americans who have been infected with COVID are now suffering from long COVID. In other words, they're disabled in ways ranging from minor, you know, just get out of breath easily to major things like dementia. As many as a third of those 50 million people who've contracted COVID could be suffering with this for life. Heart conditions, kidney conditions, chronic exhaustion. You know, this is not helping, by the way, the labor shortages across our economy. <laughs> Fox News has tried to blame the, the loss of Santa Claus, uh, you know, basically fat old guys with big beards on Biden. Uh, no, COVID killed a lot of them is what's going on. And Dr. Fauci has been working for two years to try to reduce that death toll. And, and what are they doing? They're calling him Joseph Mengele. I mean, this is, but it's a huge distraction from what's really going on. And what's really going on is the Republican Party's math. And their math is simple. When economies sag, voters choose the other party to take over. It's worked that way for over 200 years in American politics. And so, you know, last year in 2020, Trump pushed Americans to ignore the virus and keep things normal, you know, to keep the economy going, which led to to the tens of millions of COVID infections in the United States. He was apparently even willing to infect his 77 year old debating opponent in the 2022 election, that would be Joe Biden. Trump's chief of staff, Mark Meadows, writes in his new book that Trump tested positive for COVID three days before he before he was shared a stage with Joe Biden and lied about it before getting a second negative test. Thankfully, Biden kept his distance from Trump throughout the debate because Trump was in the hospital within two weeks of that time. So, you know, infecting Biden didn't work. (laughs) Biden survived. Trump lost anyway. And so what did they do? Well, the week that Biden got inaugurated, January 20th of this year, was when Trump and all the right-wing media started really pushing hard on the idea that you shouldn't get vaccinated. This is their rent. Don't get vaccinated. And that's their strategy now. If they can keep America sick and on edge, that'll keep the economy soft, which will work to hurt the Democrats in the election next year and in 2024 and help the Republicans. And I, I mean, this is just a disaster. Republicans treating public health as a political issue. And, and they've been doing this for a long, long time. Remember when Obama let an American with Ebola come to the United States to be treated? The Republicans were hysterical. They were calling for his impeachment. And now you've got four Trump appointed federal judges who have put a hold on President Biden's efforts to make sure that even hospital workers are fully vaccinated. All four of these judges appointed by Donald Trump saying, no, you can't have mandates. You can't have vaccine mandates. Obviously, I think this is going to end up before the Supreme Court. But this judge, Matthew Shelp, quoted extensively from lies that are in right-wing media. He said that the reason why you can't have a vaccine mandate for healthcare workers is because, quote, 
The loss of vaccine-refusing hospital staffing in many instances will result in no care at all, as some facilities will be forced to close altogether. Not true. We saw this with United Airlines. They said, okay, everybody, you got to get vaccinated or you're going to be fired. And they ended up firing like 200 people out of 50,000 employees. We've seen this with the military. We're seeing it with the military right now. We saw it with the New York City Police Department, where the, where the police union came out and said, 10,000 cops are going to say no. The total number was, what, 112? 123, something like that, that they let go out of, again, tens of, you know, over 10,000 employees. The largest hospital chain in Houston, 25,000 employees. Again, they, you know, there were people saying, oh, no, we're going to shut down the hospital. Nobody here wants to get vaccinated. No, they ended up, you know, firing or laying off or putting on temporary leave, as I recall, fewer than 100 people, certainly fewer than 200 people out of 25,000 employees. But nonetheless, you know, you've got this steady Republican campaign of lies and making people wary about vaccines in order to hurt Democrats. And, and then we're all forced to interact with 60 million people who refuse to get vaccinated because they're listening to these right-wing lies or because they're following right-wing trolls, many of them from other countries on Facebook and Twitter and other social media. And they're refusing to wear masks when, I, you know, I was in a store a couple of days ago and, and there was, a, you know, uh, it was just shocking the number of people. There was, and this is in Portland where pretty much everybody wears a mask. But still, I mean, this was Black Friday, as I recall. And, and uh, maybe 5% of the people in the store were not wearing masks and another 5% were wearing them below their noses. And, you know, this was a target. You know, <laughs> what could they do? They, they, they're just letting it happen. It's. So thus we have this situation where these policies, these actual Republican policies, these Trump policies that are, that are being promoted in order to hurt the Democratic Party in the next election are killing people in Republican counties. David Leonard laid this out in the New York Times, quote, in October of this year, 25 out of every 100,000 residents of heavily Trump counties, that's counties where, you know, that voted for Trump, died from COVID. 25 out of 100,000, three times higher than the rate in heavily Biden counties, which is 7.8 per 100,000. October was the fifth consecutive month that the percentage gap between the death rates in Trump counties and the death rates in Biden counties widened. Every single one of those deaths was a loss to a family. It was a human tragedy, and the majority of them were preventable. If only Republican politicians had decided that human lives were more important than political power. But instead, they chose the classic tactic of tyrants throughout history. Lie to the people, no matter how many people die as a result. And that's exactly what's going on right now. And people are believing these lies, they're hearing these lies, they're falling for these lies, and it is literally killing Americans. And it is, in particularly, it's killing Americans in red counties. We're seeing this here in Oregon. You know, the blue counties are doing okay, but their hospitals are overwhelmed by people being shipped in from rural red counties. they got to stop watching Fox News, I guess. Anyhow, we'll be right back. Stick around. And did Trump really think that he could infect Joe Biden? I mean, was that like his goal? And then the day after that, it was some, a veterans group? California has uh, found its first case of Omicron, the uh, new variation on the virus. 
that case in California caused only mild symptoms. This might be good news. I don't know. We'll see. But on the other hand, it might be bad news. Omicron uh, spreading. We're, we're still waiting to find out how, how nasty this bug is. And it is clearly more contagious, though, than, than, uh, than any of the other variants. But, you know, what brought this about? The fact that South Africa is only, you know, minimally vaccinated. And so, boom, you've got uh, these, these viruses mutating like crazy, which leads us to a conversation about how do we get the rest of the world vaccinated. On the line with us is our old buddy, Lori Wallach, Executive Director for Public Citizens Global Trade Watch, tradewatch.org or citizen.org slash trade. Um, uh, and uh, uh, PCGTW is the Twitter handle for Public Citizens Global Trade Watch, just, you know, the acronym, or at Wallach Lori, L-O-R-I. Uh, Lori, welcome back to the program. Uh, what's the, what's the uh, current status? Well, I, I was going to say what's the current status of TRIPS waivers, but probably before we get to that, for people who have not heard our previous conversations, let's just describe, or if you could please describe for people, what a TRIPS waiver is and why it's important. Thanks, Tom. The WTO has rules that require all 164 member countries guarantee pharmaceutical corporations monopoly powers to control how much vaccine and treatment is made and where it can be sold. And this is a general set of rules about all medicines, but when it comes to vaccines and treatments for COVID-19, obviously in the middle of a global pandemic, we can't have these intellectual property monopolies limiting the supply of vaccines because the only way we're going to stop this endless cycle of variant and endless pandemic is if enough vaccines are made, enough treatments are made, enough tests are made so that the whole world can get covered. And as you said, for all of the low-income countries, about 7% of people have been inoculated. There's simply not enough being made because the Modernas, the Pfizers, the handful of big guys are making enough to make a lot of profit selling it in rich countries. But we're billions of doses short to actually cover the whole world. And until we actually get everyone vaccinated, we're going to have cycle after cycle of these variants. Yeah, yeah. So the TRIPS waiver, uh, you know, from the point of view of Pfizer or Moderna, Moderna, by the way, there's uh, a recent uh, piece over at Truth Out by Michael Ludwig uh, saying Moderna has said, uh, no, we're not going to share it, uh, but we will build a factory in Africa. So we'll we'll profit off the low income countries, but we're not going to, you know, but but you, we've got there are countries all over the world that have vaccine manufacturing technology um, in, you know, what's referred to as the third world and the developing world and all that kind of thing. Um, so if if the World Trade Organization was, were to grant these intellectual property waivers, in other words, set aside the patent protections on these vaccines, does that mean that the companies are basically getting ripped off, or is there some benefit to the companies in allowing third-party uh, co other companies in these other countries to manufacture vaccines according to their formula? Well, the first thing is this waiver that's been proposed by South Africa and India, as you call it, the TRIPS waiver that stands for waiving the agreement on trade-related intellectual property rules, those monopolies. What that would mean is that countries could have local qualified producers start to make the vaccines, also the treatments for people who get sick. But depending on the country's laws, a not insignificant percent of royalty payment and the percentages are set in countries' laws would get paid back to the companies. So it's not a free-for-all, but a 
So a lot of people think, though, that specifically with respect to Moderna, it should be no payment because, Tom, we already paid for it. So Moderna's research and all the background research, frankly, for Pfizer, too, that's all government funded. That research on the basic platform, you know, the messenger RNA programming RNA to basically fight an illness, that research has been funded for decades in the U.S. and around the world by governments. It was actually scientists at the University of Pennsylvania who ultimately figured out how to make this work funded by the U.S. government. Mm. And so the companies have all built on that. But then Moderna literally has taken billions. All of their, all of their science was with the NIH. The NIH, the National Institutes of Health, a government agency, holds some of the patents. And they did the actual vaccine together, all the testing, billions of dollars of testing was government funded. And then the U.S. government prepaid whether or not they were going to have a successful vaccine, prepaid for hundreds of millions of doses to make sure Moderna could produce the trial vaccine. So we basically paid for it. But yes, to answer your direct question, whether or not it's fair that the companies get paid again, Yes, under different countries' laws, the percentage is different, but countries get paid. Companies get paid. So they're not going to be hurt. They just may not make quite as much profit as they would make if they could magically instantly uh, create factories all around the world or license this product to those other companies uh, at the same price that they're selling it here in the United States. Well, no, no, it's much worse than that. They could have done that. They have the opportunity to do that. These qualified producers all around Africa, Asia, Latin America have been begging the vaccine monopolists to give them money to get a voluntary license so they can make it there. They've been trying to do just what you said. The reason we have this crisis and the shortage is that those vaccine companies do not want to have other companies learn how to make their vaccines. They have explicitly said no. We will not let you pay us to do this. That's why the TRIPS waiver becomes so important. Yeah. If the companies had voluntarily agree, we wouldn't be in this crisis. The shortage is because they refuse to actually share, to be paid, to make someone else, to let someone else make their product. So, by the way, I, I, um, I'm just keeping track of this uh, Fauci press conference. The person in California who got Omicron, Omicron from, uh, was a person who traveled here from South Africa apparently picked it up there, had mild symptoms, but was fully vaccinated. So that doesn't indicate that, you know, the Omicron is better or worse. And my, my earlier mentioned that maybe that's good news. So set that aside for the moment. So uh, back to this, uh, Lori, uh, Joe Biden came out a couple days ago and said that these trips waivers should be put into place. Um, he, I, I think he first said this back in May or June. So the United States government is on record as saying to the World Trade Organization, let the rest of the world have vaccines. Um, what's, the, what's the bottleneck here? So the reason a year after this proposal was first put forward, we're nowhere, and millions of people are going to die for lack of access to these vaccines. The reason is two things. One, the European Union, led by Germany, is blocking the waiver. And is and Germany the, 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 home, the home country for Pfizer? Uh, Germany is the home country from, for a company called BioNTech, who is the partner with Pfizer. Pfizer yeah. didn't create the vaccine. This German company did, and then they made a license with Pfizer to manufacture it and sell it for them. Okay. So yes, 
the so they, so they, they want to protect German profits? Is that the deal? Or German, is this some sort of weird German nationalism? I mean, is this a political thing in Germany? It's unimaginable. There is huge protest in Germany against this position, but on the political elite and the new incoming chancellor hasn't reversed it. They have then organized the whole European Union to be against. So the European wow. Union is now blocking 130 other countries who are for the waiver. But, Tom, the second problem is the Biden administration has not really stepped up to lead. They've said repeatedly, rhetorically, wonderfully that they're for it. They got great credit for that because Trump had been blocking it with Europe. It's a great development that the U.S. is for the waiver as a concept. But it's only actually going to get implemented if the U.S. steps up and actually engages in getting a final deal. And to date, the U.S. has been on the sidelines. And there will never be a final deal unless the U.S. steps up, in part, to get Europe, our ally, to knock it off. Right. So what's uh, we're talking with Lori Wallach, the executive director of Public Citizens Global Trade Watch, TradeWatch.org. So, Lori, what is the call for action here? I mean, does Congress need to pass, if nothing else, a resolution saying it's the sense of Congress that that uh, the WTO needs to get off its butt? Or is I mean, uh, what do we do? How, who, who do we is, is there any way that we can start applying pressure to make this happen? So you're actually channeling some of the great champions in Congress. HConRes60 has been sponsored by Congressman Schakowsky, Congressman DeLauro, Congressman Blumenauer, Doggett, and others. It's a resolution we should get every member of the House to sponsor, because Tom, it says exactly what you just said, which is, number one, this WTO waiver must be passed immediately. Number two, the U.S. government has to use its existing authority to compel Moderna to share the technology to speed up the production once you waive, once you unlock the IP barriers. And then number three, the U.S. government needs to take the money Congress has already authorized and help set up these production facilities around the world to get these shots made and in arms. It's a one, two, three, HConRes 60. It's called the End the Pandemic Now Resolution. The End the Pandemic Now Resolution. Hmm. If you go to tradewatch.org, you can get all the background information you would possibly need, tradewatch.org, to be able to call your member of Congress to get them on the resolution. Wonderful. Lori Wallach. Lori, thanks so much. It's always illuminating talking with you, and I I appreciate you giving us the time. Thank you. Thank you. Quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, all into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. It's accessible from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash Hartman with two N's. netsuite.com slash Hartman. That's netsuite.com slash Hartman. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. 
I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Point split between Democrats and Republicans in being vaccinated. That's amazing. 36% of Republicans say they're going to get a booster. 77% of Democrats say they are. This is not a good thing. This, you know, public health should not be politicized. But uh, public health has not only been politicized, but now we've got, uh, you know, Donald Trump. Uh, this is shocking stuff from Mark Meadows' book about what Trump knew how sick he was, where he was, when he was. I mean, this is, this is just outrageous. First of all, just, just consider, you know, from the time that a person is exposed to COVID until the time that they end up in the hospital is typically a week to two weeks. Okay, so follow along with me. On September 26th, now just to put this in context, I'll, I'll fast forward to the end. October 2nd, was the day, actually it was the night, what you would call the night of October 1st. It was 1 a.m., October 2nd. Donald Trump and Melania both announced that they tested positive. Okay, that's October 2nd. Hope Hicks tested positive the day before, October 1st. But the next day, Trump gets rushed to Walter Reed Hospital, October 2nd. So he was probably infected a week or two before that, right? I mean, this is just science that we've all come to know. So uh, one full week before that was September 26th. And September 26th, surprise, surprise, was the day, according to Mark Meadows' book, that Donald Trump tested positive. So he knew that he was walking around with a virus that could kill people. And Meadows told people in the White House this. It was no secret so that everybody could avoid Donald. And apparently Melania had the same thing. So September 26, Trump tests positive. And then he attends this Rose Garden ceremony for Supreme Court Justice Amy Coney Barrett. And numerous people got infected at that ceremony. Keep in mind, this is before there was a vaccine. In fact, this is, uh, I believe that this is probably where uh, Chris Christie got infected. The next day, September 27th, Trump attends an event for Gold Star families. He's a contagious, he knows he's contagious, and he's hugging elderly parents. Again, there's no vaccine of people who died in service to this country. Now, I have heard people say over the years, including, uh, you know, Dr. Justin Frank, the professor of psychiatry at George Washington University Hospital, uh, or George Washington University in D.C., who have said that Trump is not just a narcissist. He is destructive. He likes to destroy things. Is he trying to destroy the lives of these people? As he was hugging these elderly parents... Was he thinking in his mind, (laughs) I wonder how many of them are going to croak? 
Or if I'm going to go, they're going to go with me. Is that how a psychopath thinks? I don't know. I mean, that's how they think in Stephen King novels. Anyhow, that was October 27th. He infected Gold Star families. On September 28th, the CEO of Lordstown Motors visits the White House, and Trump holds a press briefing with former VP Mike Pence to announce that they're going to distribute COVID testing kits. September 29th. Now we're five days out from his testing positive. He's well infected. At this point, he's got to be spreading virus around like nobody's business and probably knows it. September 29, he shares the stage with Joe Biden, 77-year-old Joe Biden. And to make it even more outrageous, keep in mind, Melania announced to the world that she was sick the same day that Trump, the same night that Trump got rushed to the hospital. In other words, she was almost certainly infected at the same time or within a day of her husband. Melania and Don Jr. and his wife and Eric and his wife came to that debate and refused to wear masks. Remember this? They sat in the front row, maskless. Apparently all of them infected, or at least Melania. It's just, it's breathtaking. The, uh, the, the, the debate was uh, in part organized by the Cleveland Clinic. They did all the, the health stuff. And so a physician from the Cleveland Clinic walked up to the Trump family who were all sitting there with their smug little smiles and no masks as everybody else in the, in the, and the, the when you came into the hall for the debate, the, the posters said, you must wear a mask at all times. And they're all sitting there without a mask at all, with these bleep-eating grins on their faces. And this doctor walks up and says, here's some free masks if you would like to put them on. And Melania and, uh, and uh, Don and Eric and, and uh, uh, what's her name uh, are, all, are all like, man, no thanks. We don't need them. I don't know if Jared was there or if it was just Ivanka. I'm, I'm guessing they were both there. You had to go back and look, but this is insane. Okay, so that's, tw that's September 29th. Then the next day, Trump goes to Duluth, Minnesota and holds a rally and a private fundraiser. Again, there's no vaccine at this point in time. And he's meeting with people. He's infected, and he's apparently, and he's meeting with people, some of whom tested positive afterwards. And then on October 1st, we're now one, two, three, four, five, six days from his testing positive. October 1st, Hope Hicks tests positive, and Trump that night, at 1 a.m. that night, Trump announces that he is positive and he's going to Walter Reed. And he's rushed to Walter Reed because his oxygen levels are crashing. It's only been a week. I'm wondering if this should be the basis, not just of another impeachment, and you say, why impeachment? Because once you're impeached, you can no longer hold public office. Although, frankly, I doubt that there's any, any desire to go through this again on the part of Democrats in the House or anybody in the Senate. But if not an impeachment, 
a criminal indictment, an investigation at the very least? Should there be a special prosecutor? And if there is, as we're looking at the end of September, early October of last year, and Trump you know, doing his typhoid Mary routine, assuming that that's what happened, and like I said, you know, somebody needs to look into this, then what about April 7th, when the Trump administration, of April 7th of last year, when the Trump administration, after the headlines in the newspapers all said black people are dying disproportionate to white people, this disease only appears to be killing white people who are like over 90. It's mostly killing black people. At that point, the Trump administration said, hey, and this, I mean, Vanity Fair documented this. Kushner and Trump and, and some of these guys, they had this meeting in the White House. Hey, it looks like it's mostly in blue states. We can use this to our advantage. It's New York, it's New Jersey, it's Connecticut, it's Washington State. These are all blue states. And it's mostly killing black people in these states. And that was the point at which Trump went from, oh my God, we gotta do something about this virus and prevent it from infecting more Americans to, hey, hey, let's party. Open the economy, spend money, go to work. Executive, uh, executive order to force black and brown workers back into meatpacking plants. Remember that? It was the only time he used the Defense Production Act. I mean, he could have used it to make, to make products, you know, to make PPE or make masks and things like that. But no, 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 no. We're going to use it instead to force people back to work in the middle of the worst pandemic in 100 years. And now it's a worse pandemic than 100 years ago. The, the Spanish flu only killed, as I recall, 600,000 Americans. We're over 800,000. TrumpDeathToll.org, our website, TrumpDeathToll.org, 805,013 people dead because of these decisions that Donald Trump made in the last year of his presidency. This is the Tom Hartman Program. So how do you think, as a country, we should be handling this? And what should be the penalty if we can draw a direct path from Trump to dead people? Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Danny in Monument, Colorado. Hey, Danny, what's on your mind today? Hey, Tom. Just calling about Joe Biden and that I think you just kind of alluded to it is that he needs to use all of his executive powers. Back in the day, LBJ would twist arms and really get in people's faces. And we've heard the tapes you have, too. But we're not seeing anything from Biden on that front. And an example is like increasing the number of justices on the court. Biden also needs to remove the attorney general who recently called for he had a memo calling for increases of penalties towards uh, people in airports who are physically harming airline employees. 
but he does not do the same thing, issue with the same type of memo towards those about the January 6th insurrection. Yeah. And people Danny, are I'd like to see him be a whole lot more aggressive, true, too. One of the things that I, I believe to be true is that Biden has been has been doing a lot of stuff in the background. He's he's a very kind of low key guy out in public. But yes. that the way that he yes. got this uh, so-called bipartisan infrastructure bill passed and the way that uh, they got this consensus, uh, apparently, I mean, we, you know, we'll find out in two weeks. But the, the way that they appear to have gotten a consensus on Build Back Better is that Biden has been, you know, having people over to the White House continuously. He's been working the phones. He's been talking to people. Um, I, I think in this era, the old LBJ technique of slamming somebody up against the wall or threatening to destroy them doesn't work. Um, you know, if, if a Democrat, uh, you know, if Biden were to do that, you know, somebody would just go to social media and, you know, the, the wrath of God would come down. I, I think, you know, this collaborative approach that Biden has been following has actually worked for him so far. I, I'm with you on the court, but that was that was doomed from the beginning because of the people that he put yeah. on his commission, um, which was a huge error. And I think that putting Merrick Garland in charge of the Department of Justice was a huge error. But you don't just fire the yeah. attorney general. And the attorney general is getting a lot of pressure and the White House is getting a lot of pressure. So I'm not trying to defend the status quo here. But it's a little yeah. more nuanced than the way you're characterizing it. Sure. But I think with Merrick Garland, the longer you stay in the pool with him, he's dirtying things up. So cut your losses now, drain the pool, and start over with someone who's going to be more aggressive. Well, it looks like they're actually very aggressively prosecuting the January 6th people. They're, they've been trying to get the, the small fish out of the way. Um, they're building, apparently, some serious criminal cases against uh, particularly the militia members, and they're looking seriously at uh, Trump and his inner circle. That's not the kind of stuff that you do with a lot of public you know, flag-waving when you're doing it. Uh, mm -hmm. it. That's the kind of stuff you build your cases, you build it. Keep in mind, this is the law that we're talking about. This is not politics. Right. You build your case Oops, very well. carefully. You make it as, as bulletproof and airtight as you can, or whatever cliche you want to use. And then you drop it like, you know, a piano from a second story window on top of the head of the of the person that you're going after. And I think that's what they're doing. I hope so. I well, hope there's so. a fair um, amount of evidence that that's what's going on, you know, and particularly when you look at the grand juries. I mean, he's uh, Merrick Garland has empowered has impaneled at least one and I believe two grand juries to look into this stuff. That's serious. That's a big that's a big step. I think that there should be a special prosecutor and I think he should have you know, gotten rid of John Durham long ago. Uh, who is a special prosecutor, but he's looking into, you know, who, who outed Trump for having relations with Russia. So it's bizarre. But, um, but Danny, I think there's a middle ground between, you know, between these two positions. Danny, thank you for the call. And welcome back. Tom Harbin here with you. Well, the forever war, our crazy alert for the day, the forever war on Christmas. You know, every it's that time of year, right? It's time for Fox News to declare, to, to, to assert that Democrats have declared war on Christmas, don't you know? And their latest is just bizarre, but this is an annual tradition over at Fox News. And this year's controversy is all about the shortage of seasonal Santa actors, you know, the old fat guys with big white beards who play Santa at Christmas time and let little kids sit on their lap. And, uh, you know, it's like, and they're, and they're saying, oh, this is, uh, well, why, why the Santa shortage? 
Uh, well, it turns out that they're trying to blame this on Biden, right? He says, uh, I'm, I'm looking for the quote here. I, I don't have it, I'm sorry. But anyhow, they, they, you know, Fox News did a whole segment on this. But really what's going on is a lot of old fat guys got killed off by COVID. Seriously. I mean, there are a lot of dead Santas, you know, people who played Santa in the past, uh, particularly in red states, number one. And number two, those who survived... You know, if you were a guy in, in your 60s or 70s or 80s who could play Santa, you know, in, in a way that is kind of realistic, would you want a whole bunch of unvaccinated little kids sitting on your lap and breathing on you as they're telling you what they want for Christmas? So, anyhow, our, our crazy alert for the day. Um, yesterday, I had a call from, a, from a, a regular caller who said, you know, there's a stem cells treatment for COVID-19. And I was like, what are you talking about? Well, I, I promised that when I got home, I'd look it up. And I did. And this is the problem with uh, the National Institutes of Health.gov, the NIH.gov um, website that publishes scientific papers. Anybody can submit to it and anybody can get anything published. And the, what I found on uh, ncbi.nlm.nih.gov slash, etc., is this uh, article called Mesenchymal Stem Cell Treatment for COVID-19. And it looks like it's an official, you know, publication, like some kind of, hey, there's real science here. Well, it turns out, you know, they say, well, a total of 119 clinical studies were considered. The number of, uh, the country with a higher number of studies was China. Most studies are still in the recruitment process. So first of all, this was not scientific research. This was somebody who compiled a list of other research, number one. Number two, none of that other research has, has borne out anything. You know, they go on to say, since July 2020, only one new scientific manuscript has been published describing clinical results from stem cell therapy for COVID-19. And then they go on to say, the lack of complete detailed data from published studies are a challenge and compromise any further conclusions at this point. In other words, ignore everything is what they're saying. This is nonsense, but we're going to publish it and make it look like there's something to it. It looks so official. So just be very, very careful and be very skeptical of things that you read on the Internet, because there are, you know, there are so many people out there now and you've got actual foreign governments now trying to convince Americans that you don't want to get the vaccine because, hey, we figured out a stem cell therapy. You don't need it or you don't want to get the vaccine because, you know, whatever you do want to get the vaccine. And by the way, if you, if you haven't heard the news, this is a week or so old. I've mentioned this before, but it's worth mentioning again. Everybody who's over 18 in the United States needs to go out and get a booster. If you've had two shots already or if you've had the J&J shot, get a booster. If you're six months over, you know, past your last, last vaccine. I predict that, you know, over the next couple of years, we're going to start every six months, we're all going to get a COVID shot, just like we get a flu shot every year. And the people who refuse to get them are going to get COVID, just like the people who don't get flu shots get flu. I realize the flu shots are only, you know, 30, 40 percent typically effective. These uh, anti-COVID vaccines are far more effective, massively. I mean, you know, in the 90, 95 percent range against serious illness or hospitalization. And, and they'll tweak it over time to accommodate the new variants. But, you know, get with the program. If you're not already vaccinated, please get out there and get vaccinated. 
Uh, the last thing in our crazy alert, this is from uh, World Net Daily. Uh, here's what will happen. Democrats will demand Kamala Harris's resignation. She'll cite personal reasons. Next, they'll name Hillary Clinton as vice president. After a few months, Biden will make a touching goodbye announcement. And just like that, Hillary Clinton is president of the United States. This is the new hysteria over on the right wing. Hillary is going to become president. Oh, my God. They're all worried. I'd actually like Hillary to be president right now. Not right now, but, you know, at some point. Let me rephrase that. I'd like Hillary to be president as opposed to any Republican. We will be back. Pick up your calls on the other side of this page. in Portland. Hey, Jeff, what's on your mind? Regarding your rant today, I would agree with your call for vaccine passports. In fact, I believe Portland, we're the only major West Coast city from L.A. up to Vancouver, B.C. That's not requiring them. And I wish we were. And, you know, Tom, I, I think the COVID elephant in the room, in my opinion, is when is Congress or the DOJ going to start investigating how the Trump administration's negligence and malfeasance led to hundreds of thousands of unnecessary deaths? You've There's a congressional the- committee that's looking into this, Jeff, right now. Okay. They're very okay. low key. They're, they're taking testimony okay. in secret, but there actually is a select committee. They have subpoena power. Okay, great. That's great, because you've built a rock-solid case surrounding April 7th, and I'd, I'd suggest going back even starting in 2018 when Trump disbanded the National Security Council directorate at the White House, the unit in charge of preparing for when a pandemic would hit. And then, of course, the interview with Bob Woodward in February when he admitted how deadly and contagious COVID was, but decided to play it down in his own words. But finally, Tom, you know, I think the Dems need to always refer to the economy that Biden inherited as Trump's pandemic recession and make that clear, make it clear that that is what we're trying to recover from, the Trump pandemic recession. Good one. Jeff, thank you. Thank you very much. And thank you all for being with us today. Thank you for being with us today. And don't forget, democracy is not a spectator sport. It requires all of us. So please get out there, get active. There's so many great organizations doing so many, so much great stuff. We got some wonderful candidates who are running for political office. Stacey Abrams just announced she's running for governor of Georgia, for example. Wow, she is extraordinary. So anyhow, get out there, get active, tag, you're it. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com.